from points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland edition for the week of June 7, 2012. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team. Wayne Toygo, Nancy Johnson, and Disboard's moderator, Mary Jo Mulatto-Willie, plus special guests, Kelly Willie and Matt Ainsworth. In this show, we'll chat with Matt about his new book, The Disneyland Quest. Mary Jo and Kelly will have a review of the new Cultivating the Magic guided tour, and we'll have a separate show going up celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Diz. All that, plus this week's news and roundtable rapid-fire on this edition of The Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Hey. Greetings, podcasters. Wow. We got <laughs> he's a awful chipper. I, yeah, he is. He's always chipper. And I don't know what it is. I, I'm going to have to put a stop to that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like think it's chipper. something in his coffee. It might be something in his coffee. <laughs> We've got an exciting show for you. Our last show before the, dr- the ball drops in the middle of California Adventure. Something going on? Something we need to know about? <laughs> Was was it Rico Kasich coming to town or something? Yeah, I don't know. I'm so excited. No, come on. Are you really? Slightly. Not that big. (laughs) It's not that big. Just a little land, a whole (laughs) new land. Um, Does anybody have housekeeping? Me 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 me. Go ahead, Nancy. I don't know about the rest of you, but we went on the refurbished Little Mermaid ride, and... She still scares me. <laughs> you know, is it just me, or how flat is her ponytail in the back? Yeah. I, I, they haven't quite fixed it quite right, but... And her eyes still bug a, out. Yeah. But see, I like the eyes. The eyes are almost hypnotic. The mirror to the soul. Exactly. I remember one of those teenage boys that had dreams about Ariel. I'm just saying. Um, anyway, and the, the the new 2D animation we thought that, was really interesting. That I like. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird and interesting at the same time because we think what they did was just do a flatter two-dimensional on top of 3D. Because if you look at it, her arms and legs in the transformation sequence and stuff, they're still very 3D-ish. We think they just kind of did some computer magic to flatten it a little bit and 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 basically overlay the 2D character on top of the 3D character. Anyway, that's just my BS opinion. Got to make sure we mention chat night every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Pacific. We had a great time last Wednesday. I think you were there, Mary Jo, right? Yep, it was nice and busy. It was nice and busy. Yep. I popped in, too. It was fun. Also, if you are a fan of the show, be sure to email us if you have any questions or comments or concerns. dlpodcast at wdwinfo.com. That goes to all of us. We respond. We actually respond. Well, yeah, some of us. Um, one more housekeeping. Uh, this was announced a couple weeks ago on the Orlando show. The Diz Unplugged is doing a special, a couple special backstage magic adventures by Disney trips. 
for next year. Those those aren't booking yet, but the dates are out there. Those are June 9th through the 14th, 2013, and December 15th through the 20th, 2013. And there's always a couple uh, Orlando podcasters on those trips and usually some special surprises. If you are interested, uh, contact Kevin at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. The December one sounds so nice. They're going to yeah, see Christmas. Disneyland when it's, yep. Yep. I was I was just gonna, thinking that and going to say that. And should we reflect that we have a financial relationship? Sure. Yeah, there are. Dreams Unlimited Travel. travel. <laughs> Full disclosure on this show, babe. And speaking of that big old piece of dirt and rock in the corner, back corner of California Adventure, we will have coverage, 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 starting as early as June 9th, going all the way through the 15th. Uh, go to www.info.com and click head over to the Disneyland side and, and go to the Carsland page, and there should be there should be I'm sure there'll be a link up like on the on the front page yep. as soon as things as soon as things start. And don't uh, forget, hey, don't forget that um, that also there'll be new blogs up www.isunplugged.com. Jeez, get that in early, why don't you? Hey, man, I, those of you who are drinking game to it. <laughs> um, there's still a lot of new stuff coming out, new information coming out. I think Wayne, you have you have a list of what's going on in Carsland. I have lots to update on Carsland. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Carsland and Buena Vista Street are about to open. In fact, mm-hmm. as Tom pointed out, this is our last podcast before the official opening of the new $1.2 billion DCA reimagining. And even in these last few weeks, more and more news is being announced about what we can expect. Here's some stuff that's just come out recently. The character cars of Lightning McQueen and Mater have been doing some publicity shots around Cars Land. They've now moved into their real area. It may seem surprising, but the proportions of those vehicles seem to exactly match the scenic area of Cars Land. In fact, it really looks like they are now in a live scene that comes right out of the movie. Some of the pictures that they're showing, it's almost hard to tell whether you're looking at a scene from the movie or the new scene down Route 66 in Cars Land. It's, it's going to be pretty amazing. Mater and Lightning McQueen, the characters, will move and talk, unlike the static cars that were previously at California Adventure. Mater and Lightning McQueen will mostly be found at the Cozy Cone Motel and will also travel up and down Route 66. Other Disney characters will also appear at DCA, Mickey, Goofy, Chip, and Dale are all dressed up in their 1920s finest, and they really look the role nicely. The media blitz is on with several new TV commercials about Cars Land and Buena Vista Street openings and in California Adventure in general. There are a couple new great videos of Buzz Lightyear who discovers high levels of happiness. That's really cute. Disney released some more amazing photos of Cars Land at night. 
the neon signs all over the Route 66 buildings, the sunset glow of the, I think they're now calling it the classic mountain range. It just looks gorgeous. It looks wonderful. The construction walls are down at the Carthay Circle Theater, and the beautiful centerpiece of the area, the Carthay Circle Fountain, is now available for viewing. It looks gorgeous. It really adds a nice feeling to the whole area. It's rounding out really nicely. The red car trolley is running and is in testing. I saw some shots from the cars in motion, and they really look like all the pictures you may have seen of the old trolley system, only this is all new and brightly painted, and they look and sound great. The little bells on the the trolleys, it's going to be cool. For souvenirs, the newest line of Cars Toys has been announced, including some die-cast cars of the Radiator Springs Racers attraction. There's a couple of sports racers and a couple of convertible racers. Also, there's the Baby Tractor from Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. There's a little set of mini-character cars, which they're calling Nano Racers, And one of my favorites, Red, the fire truck, is coming out in a little radio control version. So I'll probably pick up one of those. There's a Sarge car, and then there's also a toy of Luigi's Flying Tires. I only saw a picture of it. I don't know if it works or if it's just a model. Going to have to check that one out. The previews of Cars Land have begun. We've already heard from Disney that 66 guests were selected in a drawing for an early walkthrough with Imagineer Kathy Magnum and Kevin Rafferty Sr. Photos inside some of the new shops and locations were taken, and they really looked exciting because now these aren't just artist conception drawings or construction shots. This is the real deal. This is the real new facilities, and they all look amazing. Of course, 66 guests, Route 66. Uh, (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Additionally, more previews. We have cast member previews coming up. That always indicates we're really close. Annual pass and D23 member preview nights are coming up, and there's a Cars Land preview sweepstakes that's coming up, media days, and then right around the corner, the grand opening on Friday, June 15th. I understand that some of your favorite podcasters may be on hand to cover those events. The annual pass holder and D23 preview also has the top of the line special program, which includes dinner at the Carthay Circle restaurant, a big three course meal with a special wine presentation. It includes a private screening of World of Color. They're also throwing in a little storyteller's statuette. That's pretty cool. Priority boarding. Priority boarding for the rides on June 9th, one uh, one of the members of the Disney family is going to attend the event. Wow. And representatives from the Walt Disney Family Museum. So we think of Diane? That's what I'm thinking because she was so instrumental in that and is local, at least to Northern California. Yeah. But 
for anyone lucky enough to go on to this preview on June the 10th, only celebrated Imagineer John Lasseter will be there. He's important, mm. right? I think he had yeah, some okay. hand in all of this. Huh. You get free valet parking, which is a good thing, because this little package will set you back $500 per person. So Holy cow. That's a lot of John Lasseter. That's a lot <laughs> of There was also a Disney blurb about an extra daytime show. This looks really fun, too. Disney says, quote, Goofy becomes maestro extraordinaire as he dons his top coat and tails to lead an invisible orchestra during several daily mini-concerts. That's the Melody Time show we kind of alluded to the last, last show. Exactly. As he conducts, I, I, I still don't think it has a name, though, does it? I don't think it has a name. Okay. <laughs> As he conducts, the fountains of Paradise Bay begin to dance to the music, providing dramatic and often comic interpretations of the compositions. That's from Disney. So that ought to be fun, too. Lastly, new videos have surfaced from the Disney on the uh, preview soft openings for the Mad Tea Party. Pretty strange and unusual characters over at that nighttime street party, and I hope to be giving I you a full review. I think we know a couple review. of strange characters that were at that party. Indeed. Ooh. Indeed we do. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> I hope to be giving you a full review of that very soon. Disney has also released some pictures of some of the new clothing that's available from the Mad Tea Party, including a stylish new Mad Hatter and Red Queen hat. A Cheshire Cat Pullover and a Mad Tea Party Logo T-Shirt. I'll tell you, this whole party is becoming curiouser and curiouser. Nice. So this is it. In 2009, the lagoon was drained and the world of color was beginning to be assembled. Here we are, three years later. Can you believe it's been that long? We've seen the world of color opened... The renovation of the Silly Symphony Swings, the opening of Boardwalk Pizza and Pasta, and Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Electronica has come and gone in this time, but now we have the new Mad Tea Party and the return of the Pixar Play Parade. Not to mention all the improvements over at the Disneyland Hotel and some significant changes at the Disneyland Park itself. And now it's time for the final chapter. Buena Vista Street and Cars Land. It's here. The next thing you hear from us is when we will finally be able to walk into these new areas and see and experience all the new sights, all the new sounds, the tastes, the attractions. We can't wait. It's finally time for a new California adventure. Back to you, Tom. All right. Thank you for that, Wayne. Uh, any other housekeeping while we're while we're still in the middle of that? Nope. Okay. That was a housekeeping. That was the end of housekeeping. <laughs> that was that was that was story time. Um, all right, Tony's not here, so I have the news. Alan Horn, a former Warner Brothers executive, has been tapped to be chairman for the Walt Disney Studios. The choice was announced recently by Bob Iger, chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and takes effect June 11th. 
am incredibly excited about joining the Walt Disney Company, one of the most iconic and beloved entertainment companies in the world, Horn was quoted as saying. I love the motion picture business and look forward to making a contribution as part of Bob Iger's team, working closely with a dedicated and talented group at the studio. Horn will oversee movie making, live action and animation from Disney, Pixar and Marvel, and the marketing and distribution for DreamWorks Studios films released through Touchstone Pictures. For Warner Brothers, Horn helped lead the Harry Potter franchise and had other hits such as Happy Feet, Ocean's Eleven, and The Dark Knight. Horn replaces Rich Ross, who stepped down in April not long after the lackluster release of the big-budget John Carter. Does anybody know Horn? I have never heard that name okay. ever. <laughs> exactly. Where, where did he come from, do we know? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner, okay. Yeah. I Frankly, my husband used to work for Warner, and they have an amazing department in that respect. And you don't hear a lot about who the names of those executives are in the general media and the general public. So, you know, I'm not surprised that you haven't heard from him. But, yeah, during that whole Harry Potter time, that was an amazing set of marketing. Excellent. All right, Good for him. I'm excited. I think I think the studio will have some good uh, good stuff coming. Good, good, good. All right, next story. Disney Cruise Line announced recently that guests will be able to interact with and explore the world of Pixar and their beloved characters while the Disney Wonder sails to popular port cities during her coastal cruises this fall. For the first time, more than a dozen Pixar characters will meet with guests throughout the cruise, including Mr. Incredible, Remy, Woody, Jesse, and Buzz Lightyear. There will be special Pixar-themed dance parties in the atrium and a host of other opportunities for guests to reconnect with their favorite Pixar pals. Artists and filmmakers from Pixar Animation Studios will provide an inside look at the creative process used to develop an animated feature. Guests will be able to enjoy the entire Pixar library of films while on board, including a selection of animated shorts. The voyage coincides with the theatrical premiere of Finding Nemo 3D, which guests can enjoy at either the Buena Vista or Walt Disney Theaters. Guests sailing on the Pixar-themed voyages will also receive a commemorative lithograph created by Pixar artist and Brave co-director and screenwriter Steve Purcell. These cruises set sail September 16th, 23rd, 30th, and October 7th from the Port of Los Angeles. And apparently they're not selling. <laughs> really? So. People are just afraid to go down to Mexico. It's just. Uh, but these are the, these are the coastal cruises that go up to San Francisco and. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they had to they replace s- the fact that they do San. So I think San Diego and San Francisco. See, that um, would be really prob- fun. Probably that'd probably be really too. pretty yeah. too. Yeah. And finally, the California letter statues that used to stand in front of Disney California Adventure soon will welcome visitors to the State Fair in Sacramento. Disney donated the statues that spell out California to the Friends of the California State Fair, which plans to place them in front of Cal Expo, where the fair is held, Disney announced recently. The 11 and a half foot letters began in front of the park's turnstiles when the park opened in 2001, becoming a popular place for tourists to pose and take photographs. If your name started with a C and A and L of F, okay. Disney often decorated the letters for seasons of promotions, including candy cane stripes for the holidays. In 2011, Disney took down the letters as crews began construction of a new entrance to California Adventure. 
After the letters are transported, the expo plans to take the letters in late September and put them up at the entrance where they can be seen from Exposition Boulevard. The expo holds about 150 events annually as well as the fair. In a prepared statement, Cal Expo Chief Executive said, We see this donation and the relocation of these letters as a continued and fitting tribute to the celebration of this magnificent state. And that's the news. I am so glad we'll be able to at least see the California letters again. I think that's a great location for them. It'll be very fun. Yes. At least it's not John Stamos' backyard. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, John. Unless he has a replica of the of the Esplanade there, he can't have the letters and and the Disneyland sign because of it. I just want to know where the Christmas Mickey and the candy cane letters are going to go. The the Christmas Mickey and the the sea, the goofy. And the and goofy, goofy on the other end, and all the candy cane litters. I'd buy and one the, of the candy corn. The candy corn ones, too, for Halloween that they oh, had. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is there a W in California Adventure? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Elmer Fay. All right, time for rapid fire. Let's start with who wants to go, who wants to go first? I'll go. I'll go with heck. Okay. Okay, who's going to, who, who else, who else bought me for that? Uh, that was, that was Mary Jo. Go ahead, Mary Jo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this past weekend, they've had a soft opening over in Ghirardelli, the chocolate shop in Fountain. And Kelly went Saturday and Sunday, and I went Sunday. And we were able to go inside and take a look around the shop, get our free sample of chocolate, and taste some of their What kind of chocolate were they giving away? They were giving the chocolate squares with the caramel filling. Mm. Yum. Oh, it was so good. And not only that. They slid aside, so all you have to do is push the chocolate into your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was in my mouth in 0.2 seconds. It was... <laughs> it conveniently opened them. <laughs> so we so we went into the store, and it's inside, It's it looks like a chocolate shop. As you enter in, you see a counter along the back wall. Above that, there's three 3D murals that are moving. And one of the cool things about that, I thought, was that there's a screen in the middle, kind of like a small oval that features, that shows the featured so- fountain drinks, or the fountain treats, I'll call them. And each one is named after something California. You have the earthquake, the golden gate, the cable car, uh, strike it rich, et cetera, et cetera. And as each soda treat is featured, Part of the 3D mural comes to life. And so we spent a good time trying to identify which treat went with what um, activity until we kind of finally figured out that um, it announces the treat and then you see the activity. And there was a, a cast member there who was pointing them out to us. And it was it, it, was, it almost became kind of a quest for us to, to see that. But um, that was very interesting. As you walk in... There's two entrances. There's one on the end and one that's in the middle. The one that's on the end, when you walk in, you have two cashiers, and you order your fountain drinks at the cashiers, kind of like how they do at Hungry Bear, where you order at the cashier, and then you go up and you get your treat. And annual passes uh, do get discounts, so we got our 15% discount, which was nice. And then they have chocolate merchandise throughout the store, and uh, we get 20% off. For the merchandise. And Kelly, they were telling you something about the chocolate bars. 
Oh, yeah. Um, if you bought four chocolate bars, you get the fifth one for free. Oh, that's just not fair. Yeah. Yes. And there's a, I think there's also a four-pack, so even if you buy that, you get a fifth one for free. So that was neat. And then they also have uh, the Ghirardelli tote. They have a black one and a brown one. And yeah. when you buy, purchase the tote, when you take that into any Ghirardelli store, you get 10 to 15% off in any of the merchandise, regardless of where the store is at. They were telling us, I don't know, there's a store in Ontario, of course, the one in San Francisco. And so um, right now, the cast members were um, kind of pushing the totes, you know, with that hopeful look, would you like a tote? And it's like, no, yeah. no, thank you. So um, they were kind I'm of pushing them. I don't need a tote. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they were $6. Yeah. For right. a tote? It was yeah. six fifty. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's but actually get, not bad. Yeah, well, and they're, the they're discount. Really, and they're reusable, of course, and it's, uh, and they, they're nice. They're, they have the logo all over them, and so, mm-hmm. uh, you could use it for more than just Ghirardelli, but as long as you have it, you get the discount. So, inside the store, there's no, no place to sit down and eat, but outside there were some round tables with chairs around them where people could enjoy their treats. And Kelly, you had the, which, what did you get on Saturday? Um, well, I went on Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. Um, I got the peanut butter sundae. Don't which... correct your mother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tom which is called, um, the, I think it was called the Gold Rush. And there's whipped cream, of course, vanilla ice cream, chocolate, and peanut butter. And they put a lot of peanut butter. Mmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the full size menu, and it's it's everything's just really yummy. Yeah. They get one to you that you could bring. They gave they were handing them out as we walked in, and and that we could bring home with us the paper menu. And oh, um, Ian made me had, give mine back. Oh no, they gave they gave ours to us. And then yesterday, <sighs> Kelly got the uh, mint chocolate chip yeah. shake. And then one of uh, the other members of our group, they had the. Um, they had the malts over there. Everything was delicious. Everything was just really good. Okay. Uh, Nancy. Okay. Mine is regarding the new Disney Gallery exhibit that opens on Saturday, June 30th, right there on Main Street, as you come into the right next to um, Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> I'm trying, I was like trying to remember the, the whole name of Mr. Lincoln, and it didn't work. Anyway. Well, isn't it... Great moments, Mr. Great Lincoln. Great moments, Okay, yeah, that one. Okay, so oh, I need to... Disneyland gonna... podcaster, okay, go ahead. <laughs> that would be Nancy at www.info.com. Okay, here I'm trying to be all... You're doing so well. You know, I'm trying to be so finesse laden and artistic and esoterical. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Esoterical. You can't, because, you can't right? say the word that I was going to use on the air. <laughs> Sigh. Okay, finish up. Anyway, this exhibit is... Rapid called, fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fight my rapid. Oh, dear. <laughs> Okay. See, see how much fun we have, Matt? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. He's hiding in the corner. 
behind the scenes. No, it's wonderful. And, it, and if Tony was here, this would be even worse. Oh my, yeah, it would. <laughs> That's how much editing Tom does behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh no, all of this is staying in. What are you talking about? All right, finish your rapid fire, would you? Are you done? We've been done. You'd never know. <laughs> See, Wayne's not done. Best behavior, boys. Okay, so there's a new gallery thingy going on? Why, yes, there is, Tom. Would you like to hear about it? Not anymore, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> ooh, we got a snorter in the bud. Sorry. <laughs> It's hot. The silly hormones are on. <laughs> Nothing compared to what I've had to do today. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Lincoln has a new neighbor. Okay. So, where was I? Oh, yes. The exhibit is called Crowning Achievements, Creating Castles for, the, for Magical Kingdoms. And the whole focus of this exhibit is to... I don't know. There's a whole bunch of BS about it on the Disney <laughs> Parks blog. Anyway, it's the whole goal of the exhibit is to show you how inspiring castles are and how they sort of beckon everybody to take on an adventure and and do something interesting and fantastical that they only dreamed of. Blah. Okay. <laughs> so, that being said, the exhibit features several different um, artists who have designed special pieces that, that are available for sale also in the gallery. And they are different takes on the whole castles and all of the Disney castles. In fact, there's even jewelry that was designed, inspired by the castles. So, like I said, it opens on June 30th, and there will be several of the artists on hand for product signings, questions, and... It looks like a, it's going to be a lot of fun. It look, the the a lot of this artwork can be seen on the Art of Disney Parks webpage in their events section. And read more about it. It looks like it'll be a lot of fun. This is going to be great. Um, you don't realize it, but so much of the whole Disney storytelling thing revolves around a castle. Thinking about all the classic movies. All your princesses, all your princes, a castle comes in there somewhere. Castles are very important to the Disney culture. This is going to be cool. Cool. Yep, and they're celebrating all of the, not just the North American parks, but all of the Disney parks around the world. Uh, That'd be neat to see. It's a salute to all the castles around the world, but mostly America. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So, like I said, if you want to meet any of these artists, they will be available from 9 to 11 a.m. on June 30th. Thank you, Nancy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go next. Early admission hours are changing starting June 18th. Uh, beginning June 18th, Disneyland Resort guests will be able to enjoy an extra magic hour every day. In addition to the existing mornings on Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at Disneyland Park... Guests will be able to visit Disney California Adventure one hour early on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. The magic morning schedule for those that are just using the three-day plus, you know, three-day, three or more-day hoppers will not change. 
And in a related story, Disney Resort annual pass holders can now sign up for annual pass holder early entry events. These events will take place June 18th through September 13th, 2012, and will allow pass holders early entry into the parks one hour early on selected days. Now, these are the opposite of the other early admission days, and so they will typically take place at Disneyland Park on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and California Adventure on Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And pass holders will need to register for the event at least three days in advance and can only register for one event at each park. Have you guys uh, registered yet? No. No. Mm-mm. I did. You always register for... I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I wanted to get my time in. I have uh, one of them's on July 14th for me and the other one's on August 17th. So. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, and even our guest, Kelly, has a rapid fire. Go ahead, Kelly. There are two new tours that are happening at DCA, or Disney's California Adventure, by the end of the year, and they're returning the Segway Tour. Cool. Yay. Yay. And they're also going to have a Walk in Walt's Footsteps Tour. Their version? Yeah. Cool. It's about when he first came to California since they're building the entrance as to when he came in right. California. And then they're also going to go into Pixar. Nice. So. Oh, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that take on it. That's a really good idea. That should be fun. We'll keep an eye out for those. Yeah. That'll be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. All right, Wayne, rapid fire. The last time in our last show, I talked about some of the entertainment that's going on at other theme parks around Southern California, and I mentioned new things going on at Knott's. Well, new details have just come out about what's going to be happening at Knott's Berry Farm this summer. Starting June 16th, Snoopy's Starlight Spectacular returns for its third season. Who needs Cars Land? I'm going to see Snoopy. Darn right. (laughs) Darn right. And Knott's reports that it's bigger and brighter than ever. This is a really unique attraction. When darkness falls over Knott's Berry Farm, Snoopy's Starlight Spectacular brings the Camp Snoopy area to life with a continuous light show filled with the Peanuts figurines. There, there's theme music, sound effects, projections, and in Snoopy's Starlight Spectacular, guests will see their favorite characters in scenes that personify them. Lucy's dream of being a Hollywood starlet, Schroeder's musical genius, even Woodstock gets into the act as he and mm-hmm. Snoopy go on a camping adventure. Mm-hmm. Snoopy's Starlight Spectacular will run every evening in the park after 8 p.m. Over at the Charles Schultz Theater, Knotts is proud to present Happiness Is Aww. Snoopy, an exciting Aww. ice show which also de- debuts on June the 16th. 
In this musical extravaganza, you will fall in love with Snoopy and the Peanuts gang as they share the simple joys of life with the help of world-class ice skaters in a show that will delight the entire family. Knotts has been doing ice shows forever. This is one of their signature shows that they do. This theater that they have is an excellent theater. It's very comfortable, very nice for this kind of show. If you haven't been to Knotts and seen the main stage show, I recommend it to you. And also, back by popular demand, Knotts All Wheels Extreme returns to the Calico stage on June 16th. Everything opens on the 16th. (laughs) Guests will be amazed by the skills of the gravity-defying BMX bikers, the inline skaters, gymnasts, and even free runners in this fast-paced, action-packed production. And one last little note, this summer Knotts will come alive with new characters that have taken up residence in Knotts Ghost Town. Sheriff Jedediah Smith, Beauregard, the saloon owner, and the delightful Sweet Adeline and others will come to life in the 1890s as has never been as colorful or exciting. This crew will have you seeing life in the Old West in a whole new way. It sounds exciting. I'm glad they're still keeping some life over at Knott's Berry Farm. I will get a chance to check it out. Hmm. Maybe after I see what's happening at some other automobile land or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for that, Wayne. Now let's head over to Mary Jo for the thread of the week. I need an echo to go with the thread of the week. Mm-hmm. There you go. Go, echo. Well, there's a lot of buzz happening on the Disneyland board these days regarding all the changes that are um, happening at our favorite Magic Kingdom. And mm-hmm. the one that struck me lately or this week is one called Definitive List of New Experiences at DLR. And we have a Dizzer named Priory. And he wanted fairly new to, too. Yeah, he's re- he doesn't have that many posts. He's he's a couple of years old on our board, so hopefully he's hearing this. And so he put a list. He categorized it by rides, entertainment, shopping, and dining, putting together um, this list of all of the new things that were happening this summer. So I put them in Excel really quickly, and he listed 48 new things or refurbished things happening at the Disneyland Resort this year. And, and, and we keep talking wow. about how busy it's going to be, but after looking at that list, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, yeah. look at how long it took us to record that show on all the new things, right, our recap right, show. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a lot. There There's the, the four new attractions, one refurbished, the Matterhorn, entertainment and California Adventure alone, 12 um, new Shows, two, 12 new, right, 12 new shows and parades, I'll, I'll say, including Minnie's Fly Girls that Nancy talked about, um, recently. At Disneyland, there's two. We know the, um, Big Thunder Jamory, what we talked about, and the Voices of Liberty that's coming up, and I'm so excited about that. Um, in shopping, Downtown Disney has two new shops, DCA has 12, and Disneyland one. And for dining, Downtown Disney has two, one, uh, we're looking forward to eagerly, I think, the Earl of Sandwich. California Adventure has 10, and Disneyland has two. Ten new what? Was, e- eating places? Uh-huh. Two new diet. Well, or refurbished. And that was the uh, refurbished Carnation Cafe. Okay, gotcha. And the refurbished Gibson Girl. So, no, but you said 10 at California Adventure? Uh-huh. Uh, three. The, four, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. Couple, 
several in Cars Land plus yeah, Mortimer's Street, Market. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus so, uh, Carthay and the Fiddler Five. Okay, yeah, I guess there could be ten. Excellent. Yeah, I I was amazed how many when I saw that number. It's like, oh my gosh. So that's why it is going to be a blockbuster summer at the Disneyland Resort. And stay tuned to your local podcast mm-hmm. for all the details. Yay. <laughs> oh, come on. you got to do better than that. <laughs> Yay. There, you. Go. there you go. I've had a long day at the parks today. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you poor thing. All right. Thank you, Mary Jo. Now we're going to chat with... Matt, how you doing, Matt? You've been good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Sorry, I stepped on your <laughs> intro. Oh no, no, don't worry about it. That there's there's no formality. We step here on them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> especially me. I am the worst about stepping on everyone. So you just published a book recently called The Disneyland Quest. What what kind of inspired you to write this? Um, it's been in my mind for since we started taking my daughters there um every time we're there you know disneyland is built on the details and i always thought it would be really interesting if there was a treasure hunt with these clues that are hidden in plain sight and every time we go i see something i haven't noticed before and i kind of just mentally banked it and kind of put it all together and started writing it for my daughters just to read as a bedtime story and it just kept growing and decided to publish it so tell us a little bit about the story um, it's about uh, two kids, um, brother and sister, and they are traveling with their mom to go visit uh, or to meet her new boyfriend for the first time. And he's paying to bring them down to Disneyland to meet in a in a very positive setting. And he has his son, um, Travis, who's the same age as our main character, Dizzy, uh, and they're both 15. And they learn about this treasure hunt, the Disneyland Quest, and they sign up and they're one of thousands of teams uh, trying to solve these riddles hidden throughout the park. It's uh, pretty pretty exciting. Uh, there's um, it's just some mystery, and there's a there's a man in red that they can't figure out if he's following them or not, and it's mm. uh, it's, it's pretty pretty exciting book. Awesome. What 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 do you think the age range is for this kind of book over this book? Um, I I would think anybody from nine to ninety nine. Okay. My my daughter's my daughter's eight right now, and mm-hmm. we just got our our first copy in, and she started reading it to me each night as our bedtime story. Nice. And uh, and she's she's doing she's reading it just fine, and so um, I think anybody in that age could uh, give it a pretty good read. Awesome. Did you have to do a lot of research, or you're sounds like you're a Disney geek like the rest of us? Uh, yeah, the the research is just in the visits. I, I was trying to get my wife to get another summer trip so we can go down and do some last minute research, but we weren't able to. So I had to bring out the old family movies that we have and kind of mm. put it together. And I've and I've been taking notes for four years now on our on our just past mm-hmm. bunch of visits and and just kind of came together on its own. It was it was pretty. It was really fun to write. Were you thinking of doing this at first, or did this just sort of evolve on its own? Um, when we would go to Disneyland, uh, we wouldn't have we wouldn't bring books, but so we'd still want to tell our daughters a bedtime story. 
And about four years ago, I just started making up a story about a treasure hunt at Disneyland and made up the clues on the fly. And um, it's it's it was it's different than the book, but that's kind of where the idea came from. Neat. Well, that sounds fun. Now, are you, is this your first book, or are you an author by yeah, profession, yeah. or? No, I'm a, I'm a seventh grade math teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I couldn't be any further away from what anyone would expect from me. Nice. Boy, that sounds like my uh, my students. <laughs> my students have a pretty big kick that the math teacher wrote wrote a book. <laughs> nice. How's the response been so far? Um, so far, it's it's been really positive. Um, there's uh, my mom was the first reader; she loved it, and as she's supposed to. So I don't know if that's how accurate her <laughs> review would be. But I've, I've heard a lot of good responses. Gotten some emails and messages from people I, I don't know. Um, my wife actually posted a link on the uh, the Diz boards, and we've gotten some feedback from that, which has been wonderful. Yeah, I actually uh, down, I bought a book and I have it on my Kindle. I haven't read it yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. So oh, thank well, you for thank you. making it um, available to us on our Kindles. And I think I should mention that that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to have Matt on because they are deserts and it's nice to be able to give back to the dis community and and oh, support them support, support them when they when stuff like this comes up. I read a little bit about it, a, a little bit of the story, and it sounds like Dizzy and Travis are kind of polar opposites and and t- typical teens, basically. Well, actually, I don't think Dizzy's a typical teen, is he? No, no, he's he's uh, one of the, the rare teenagers who he's like us loves Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was um, semi autobiographical. You. <laughs> When when you're in middle school, being a huge fan of Disneyland wasn't wasn't the cool thing, and so that's kind of how the the story starts. Is he has to love Disneyland in in secret. Nice, and I, I love the relationship between him and his little sister. With her, her, she, I was she was kept asking, okay, now what else? What else? You know, tell me more about Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's uh, she really looks up to him and kind of idolizes her older brother. And uh, he had been once before, so he she woke him up early the morning they were going to go and begged him for more details. No, I'm definitely going to um, get the book for my nephews. They're, um, I took them to Disneyland earlier this year, and they both it kind of fired an interest in them, in Disneyland, especially in my, my 12-year-old nephew, Daniel. And I know that this book will really appeal to the both of them. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see one how my seven-year-old responds as well. Mm-hmm. Just, to, just because, you know, now they're really starting to get into the age where, um, like, we talked about um, Tom's son. Didn't we talk about that on the last show, Tom? Yeah. About West and, West and his tour guiding his friend. Yeah, I think we talked oh, about yeah. that on the anniversary show. Oh, okay. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm wondering if my daughter's starting to hit that point as well, and it'd be interesting to see their response to the book from the, isn't that, blah, blah, blah. So I think it'll be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and West is going to want to try to go to the parks and find all this stuff. <laughs> oh, and I try, I try to be very, uh, very loyal to the parks, um, taking the scenery and the details that are already there and uh, kind of manipulating them to 
to fit into the the treasure hunt. Um, and my uh, sister recently went, and she had just read the book mm-hmm. and was amazed. Uh, one of the one of the not to give away a major plot point. Um, one uh, one key part of the the, the treasure hunt is um, trying to locate a uh, kind of a secret building or a distant building, and it was the former Skyway building oh, that's, yep. um, in Fantasyland. And she had been, you know, 20 times and had walked right by it and never noticed that it's tucked up there behind the trees. And those are just, you know, some of the small details that people people don't even notice. Nice. Sounds like you're kind of book, Wayne. Indeed. <laughs> uh, what I was wondering was, um, is, th- is this something you can actually follow in the parks? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If, uh, if you, I mean, some of, I had, did have to take some artistic license, uh, um, but most, just about every clue, um, you could, you could find, uh, the, the next, the next part of the, the path. How fun. Wouldn't it be cool to have, to write a book, um, where you have to, what, kind of like what Wayne was alluding to, and you have to actually go to the park to figure out the clues to get the answer? No, that would be amazing. One, one, my, uh, the math teacher kicked in towards the end, and one of the riddles is a, a math problem where you have to count certain, <laughs> certain parts of rides. Nice. How, many, how many candles are on Winnie the Pooh's birthday cake? Um, oh, how fun. How many, how many pirate wenches are there uh, for the auction bride? So, it's, it, so it really is, you really have to be there for, for some of it. That is so cool. Where can we find the Disneyland Quest? Uh, the book is up on Amazon.com right now. Uh, it's in, a, in Kindle in print form. Um, and that's that's probably where everybody goes to find their book, so I thought that would be a good place to put it. Excellent. Good Yay. choice. Make it easy on us. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> Kindle's the way to go from a lot of people these days. Uh, will we? Do you think we'll ever see it in stores? Um, I, I would be honored if... It would ever be in a store. We were actually talking when um, we're taking a trip, our uh, yearly trip down in November. We go the week after Thanksgiving every year, and I was going to bring maybe ten of them and just leave them in the emporium right. with, with a <laughs> sticker that says "free." Just, wow. just and uh, you know, leave one behind on the Matterhorn and just kind of leave little just gifts for whoever follows us on the ride or whoever finds it in the store. Just as uh, too just bad, as a way to uh, too bad Compass Books there. is closed now because that uh, sounds like something that they would they would carry, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, isn't there the Disney Anna store? Don't they have uh, books in there? They do. Well, and they carried the e ticket magazine for a long time. Yeah, this would be. So a good they book do ca- they do carry some small publications, you know, depending on the right. And it's a good size too, so if, I mean, it would be great for families to get this book who are there on vacation. What a great souvenir that would be! Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt's like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just really, really appreciate you guys having me on and letting me uh, talk about the book with you guys. I'm a big fan of you guys' show, and uh, it's really, really a treat. We're glad to have you. I also talked with Matt earlier, and. Um, I was planning on putting together a gift basket type thing for the podcast crews for the auction, and Matt is going to send me an autographed copy of the Disneyland Quest to hey, include nice. in that pack. Yay! So that 
that's going to go in the in the gift bag for the Podcast Cruise 3.0. So if you're on board, look for that. Oh, I'm happy to do it. I don't I don't know what my autograph is really going to do for the value of the book. It might <laughs> it might uh might drop it drop the value mm-hmm. a little bit. So maybe maybe I'll sign one of your names on it instead. Very nice. Maybe you should send one that doesn't have the autograph playing. <laughs> I'll give you one of each. <laughs> they can choose which one they want. <laughs> Right. But that would be that would be another one too, Tom. You get one with Matt's signature prominent, and then the podcast team underneath. Oh, there you go. Try to try to really lower the value. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say that I I understand that the Disneyland Quest is number eighteen at Amazon.com now. Uh, yeah, it, it it's it? been fluctuating. Just in uh, I kind of added some filters to see how high I can get it ranked. And uh, the in children's action adventure um, new releases, it got up to number five last week. Awesome. Wow! So, Congratulations, uh, that's yeah, nice. Thank you. All right, uh, Matt, Matt. Thank you, Matt Ainsworth. Thank you so much for do- joining us again. He's a Dizzer, so support him. That is his new novel, The Disneyland Quest, and you can find it on Amazon. And now we are going to head over to Mary Jo and Kelly, who are going to tell us about the new guided tour in the park in Disneyland Park called. Cultivating the Magic. Yes, this is a brand new tour. Just started on Saturday, June 2nd. And Kelly and I went on the inaugural tour with Ooh. our tour guide, John. Lasseter? I wish. <laughs> no, he's, he's going to give us the tour over at uh, California Adventure, the walk in John's footsteps. Tour. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but um, this wine. tour... As, as soon as uh, I heard that this tour was going to start, I called quickly and I booked it. And of course, you Kelly, <laughs> and um, you know Kelly's as much as or more a Disneyland fan than I am. So of course she came along too. And when we thing. got <laughs> dragged her along, yeah. Mom, I have to. but um, so we the tour starts at nine o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays, and ten o'clock on Mondays. It's only held three days a week. And Kelly and I got there at about 10 minutes. They'd rather the guests get there at 15 minutes till, but we got there at 10 Slackers. minutes till, and there was no problem. Because you're a local. Yeah, because we're, <laughs> yeah, tra- California, Los Angeles traffic. And um, I was really happy to see that we, three other Dizzers who are also friends were there. Um, Chris Vettel, who was on our uh, Disneyland show, was there. Jill Foster and Melody Brinkman, who are, um, they are on the Disneyland board also. They were there. Another gal who's on the Diz was there. So between Kelly, me, um, Chris, Jill, Melody, and this other woman, Jennifer, we were more than half of the tour was that was represented by the for the that's, Diz. That's never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, people well, on the tour. Well, the the limit's ten people on the tour. Oh, really? So we had yeah, that's they stop it at ten people and. Since it was the inaugural tour, they had a cast member who was monitoring the tour and the and the guide, and that was Dustin. So they start off the tour, and Kelly, you jump in wherever you you hear that I um, have skipped some things because there was a lot going on. Whenever she makes this mistake, jump in, Kelly. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so um, John began the tour with an introduction, and he told us that there is a a guy by the name of Bill Evans and his brother Jack who had a uh, gardening service and Walt Disney used them 
to landscape his home and the uh, area for the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad that he had at his house. And he was so impressed with the work that they did that he called them up in 1954 and said, hey, I got a little project for you guys. You, would you be interested? And he gave them the job of landscaping Disneyland. So they had a year to do the jungles in, in Adventureland and all of the different landscape um, areas for the park. And they did a wonderful job. And they've continued to do the, to do um, a wonderful job. Bill Evans has been instrumental in designing all of the parks up, even the uh, Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So he's still he's still involved. He's a Disney legend, and he has a window on Main Street, um, Evans Gardens, and his specialty is high, is freeway acquisition. And they explained it to us. They explained it to us on the tour what that meant. And for anybody who wants to know what it, why he has freeway acquisition, we'll just have to take the tour to find out. Yeah. So we started the tour with Such that part of me. Well, it, I, I, Kelly and I will both tell at the at the end of this. Just it was a really nice tour, and the time flew by. Yeah, it went by real fast. So he started after the introduction. We went to the Mickey Floral, Floral. And he um, had us take a group picture with the photographer, and we could either get a photo pass or she used our cameras. And, of course, everybody tossed her the cameras, and she took pictures of the group. And then he explained the, the flowers to us, telling us that the Mickey head always has the same type of flowers. They use um, Alyssa or another white flower, and then they use purple flowers for his ears and the outside of the head. And he said that purple a lot of times from a distance or when you take a picture, it comes out looking black. So that's why they pick that color. And he said that the flowers in the front are changed out nine times a year and they use 10,000 flowers each time. So when you think of just the Mickey floral itself uses in one year, like 90,000 flowers just for that one part of the park, the attention to detail for the rest of the park, it, it just boggles the mind. It's just so well maintained, and it might be one of the best um, operating systems that they have at Disneyland. We were told that as soon as the lights go off, the landscapers go out and they start doing their job. And there's only 50 of them. Yep. And there's 50 of them. And in fact, well, I'll tell you uh, afterwards. So we went down. So from after the Mickey Floral, he took us into Main Street, and we stood with the train station at our back looking down Main Street, and he was explaining the types of flowers that they use on the ground, the floral baskets, why they use that. And he was pointing out the trees on the side of Main Street. And they even, you know how they have the forest perspective down Main Street? They use the trees to continue that illusion of forest perspective. And so the trees are only allowed to grow so big, and when they, they keep them trimmed, but if they... At a certain time, they will grow bigger. They pull them all out, and they plant new trees. And the last time they planted trees was 2005. The trees that they pull out, they plant in other areas of Disneyland. And if you're at the train station facing City Hall, that huge tree that you see in front of you is one of the trees that used to line Main Street. I think there was one also on the other side. Right. And they're and they're huge. So you see how big these they grow, and they're called uh, Chinese evergreen pears. 
from there, we went down Main Street. He pointed out Bill Evans' garden, Bill Evans' window, and we went to the main plaza, and he explained the plants there, and he pointed to the different lands, adventure land, how it's more wild, frontier land, how, you know, it's the southwest type of um, foliage. And he said, but the, the, uh, the hub and the flowers that are in front of the castle, he said, you'll notice that they always use pink and yellow um, to frame the castle because it's Sleeping Beauty's castle. And the yellow on the turrets, they have like a gold color on them, and the flowers kind of bring it out, the colors of the castle. And he had more details that I don't really want to go into because I don't want to spoil the tour for other people. And he took us from there. We went to Adventureland, and some of the things he pointed out were one of them was it's a dis- the tree that Buddha sat under while he was when he received his enlightenment. Um, Kelly, what's the name of that tree? Um, the, I forgot, but I, I just call it the Buddha tree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, it's called it's the Buddha. A, it's a big tree, but I just call it the Buddha tree because I can't. I don't remember the whole name. Yeah, I think it was called Bodhi, but it's a descendant of the original tree that Buddha sat an, under. And they have another tree in Sri Lanka at the main temple over there. So I thought it was really neat that they they have these flora there at Disneyland that there's a significance to them, mm-hmm. even whether we know it or not. There's so many different reasons. Um, they're special, the, the trees that they have there and the other plants. So I'm not going to tell you where that tree is. If you guys go with me to Disneyland, I'll show you. Otherwise, you have to go on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Then we went on, they took us on the jungle cruise and we had the boat to ourselves. That mm-hmm. was so cool. They, they took us in through the, through the back entrance and it, I felt kind of bad for the people. They started to load the people on the boat and yeah. John said, uh, no, that boat's just for us. And we were like, <laughs> we get to go and you don't. But, um, and John we, took over the microphone. He we took did, he, the ride. did he tell bad jokes? Yeah, he actually, had, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he John, did. if you're listening, she didn't mean it. <laughs> he had a lot of Disney references. It was really cute when he did a lot of puns. But he, um, after the main safety spiel, he took over, and he was pointing out um, some of the different plants in the Jungle Cruise. One of the most interesting that I thought was that the, you know how it was Orange Grove, right? So there are orange trees all over. Well, they got orange trees and they buried them upside down mm-hmm. so that the roots would look like vines. Mm-hmm. That was their quick fix to making a jungle. Yeah. And a Hollywood jungle. Hollywood jungle. And those trees are still there today, so they pointed them out to us in the on the Jungle Cruise. And so there were like different tidbits of information on that particular attraction that he told us that People will find out on the tour. And after the Jungle Cruise, we went back out um, to Adventureland. And from a certain point there, he showed us a tree that was, and it's pretty tall. I'm not going to say what tree it is, but it was the tree that stood in front of the Dominguez Ranch when they owned Mm -hmm. that property. So that was real. I thought that was really neat to see that, that they had. And um, he told us some more, more uh, stories about, well, also one of the I thought was interesting was Adventureland originally, and you might know this already, Nancy, 
Adventureland, or I'll ask you and, and Wayne both. Adventureland, do you know where it was originally supposed to be when they designed Disneyland? Oh, yeah. Well, I thought the Jungle Cruise was in its original location, so what do you oh. know? Well, they were originally going to, where Tomorrowland is today and Adventureland is, they were going to switch them when they had the original design. Adventureland was going to be to the right of the castle and Tomorrowland to the left of the castle. But what they did is they did a map, they had a map of Disneyland and they put it on a transparency over an aerial visual of the land and they saw that there were these eucalyptus trees and other trees on what's in Adventureland today that they didn't want to tear out for Tomorrowland. So they switched the two, the two lands so that they could salvage those trees and use them in the park. Hmm. So, so, so that was really early on. Yeah, that was, that was before the, the great sales map. Yeah. So they, um, but I, I mean, to, to think of the ingenuity and, and the thought that went to um, creating this landscape for Disneyland Park and also trying to keep the trees that were already there. They didn't want to tear down more than what they had to. And so it was also you, a budget thing, too, because he only, I mean, he only spent $3 million. That was He spent every penny he could, so he had to save whatever he could yeah that's a really good point too uh, hence the uh, upside down orange trees right yeah just so exactly. they, they had them there may as well just put them upside down and there you got your vine he was given a year to make a jungle and, and he and he did it this is bill evans and um he said that and it, the, the jungle there could rival any jungle in costa rica but um if you go on the jungle cruise you'll see the eucalyptus there as well as the other plants that they have so then we went over to um, New Orleans and or New Orleans and when we went over <laughs> sorry Nancy yes Tony <laughs> when we went today over the-, the role of Tony Spatel <laughs> will be played by Mary Jo Milano Willie yeah, he's here in spirit I, I didn't mean to say that Nancy um, I in New Orleans- yeah I know you did <laughs> Um, they have a tree there called the rubber tree, and it's a big, beautiful tree um, that they have over there. And the story behind that particular tree, and I'm not going to tell you which one it is, is that it originally sat at the Richmond Company, which is Arco today. They were going to expand the company to put another tank on the ground, and they asked Disney if they wanted to take this tree. And so Disney wanted to take it, and when they went to dig it up out of the ground, they realized that there was this big gas line going right through the roots. And rather than hurting the tree by cutting the roots, what they did is they shut the gas off. They cut the, they cut the pipe on two ends on either side of the roots. And the pipe came with the tree and is buried in Disneyland. And it's still there. And it's still there. So we thought that was kind of interesting tidbit that they went to so much effort to make sure that the tree uh, remained healthy when they when they planted it in Disneyland, and it's a huge, huge tree. I, I will say that um, if you're behind that tree, you won't be able to see Fantasmic. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's huge. And then we went over towards the Haunted Mansion, and they were talking to, to us about the plants there and how it really they really um, 
lend an aura to the theming of the Haunted Mansion. They, the colors they use, the reds, the calla lilies for death. And um, then it kind of, they took us to the Haunted Mansion and they took us on the ride. And other than showing us the wallpaper that had, I think there were a tiger lilies on the yeah, wallpaper there were in the, on the, uh, the entrance lobby, uh, we kind of didn't understand why we were on the Haunted Mansion ride on a landscaping tour. Did you go through the back entrance or? Oh yeah, they walked us right on. We okay, didn't have to stand okay. in line for anything. So that was really nice. Okay. And, um, and it, I mean, it was a nice, it was nice that they took us on there. Um, but our group, um, afterwards we were talking about it, they would rather have gone through the queue talking about all the different plants. Yeah. Um, yeah, than going on the ride. Rather than go on the ride. Yeah, that's, that's what those feedback cards are for. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't, we didn't get one. Well, I think somebody needs to go over to City Hall on their oh, next yeah. trip and oh. fill out a comment card. Yeah, that somebody's going to write it out because there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. A lot that we have that, um, and it wouldn't be Kelly because she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so then, no, okay, so girl, yell me one next time you get in trouble with mom. <laughs> so as we exited the, to continue, as we exited the haunted mansion, they pointed out to us how they have these tall cypress trees that separate a physical separation between the haunted mansion and Splash Mountain. So they they have this visual barrier between the two. And he didn't take us so much into Critter Country. We kind of stopped at Splash Mountain. He talked about how they use the grasses there. Also using um, using that forced perspective illusion where the darker grasses are at the bottom, lighter grasses are at the top to give this illusion that it's a taller hill and more exciting as you come down. And then he was telling us a little bit about the plants in Critter Country, saying that that's usually the coolest part of the park is Critter Country because of all the shade that Cast they have there. Say that there's up to a 20 degree difference in that section of the park than the, than the rest of it because it's so shady. I can believe that. Yeah, so on hot days, that's a nice area to go. So from there, um, Haunted Mansion, we then went into Frontierland and they were, and they actually showed us the bush that separates Frontierland from Adventureland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you look at the fence, then you can see it. Right. And, and something I never noticed before, but when they pointed that out, it was like, oh, my gosh, yes, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And then they took us and they showed us um, over in the Frontierland, besides talking about the different types of plants and, and other foliage, there's a tree there that's a dawn redwood tree that's really rare. And Walt Disney, I guess Bill Evans saw it and he brought it to Walt Disney and they, they, he got the authorization to go in and buy it and they planted it in Frontierland. So that's one of the original trees that still stands there. And it's over by stage, stage door, between stage door cafe and, uh, the golden horseshoe. Mm-hmm. It's over there. So he told us more about that tree and why it's special. And when you're on the tour, you'll get to hear why it's special. Then they also told us how the uh, they use the Southern California to for, um, indigenous plants to uh, give that southwestern look, and the, you know there's a lot of cactus there, and and um, also the uh, bougainvillea that's over in the in the Mexican type 
type area. We didn't go along the big Thunder Mountain trail. I would have liked to have gone through there, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And from Frontierland, where did he take us next, Kelly? Uh, he took us to Fantasyland. Oh, that's Tips right. Up by uh, the Carnation Gardens. Right. The castle. So we went through the, that's right, we left fr- fa- Frontierland, went through the castle, and then he stopped in Fantasyland and was de- describing how, you know, just like every land has its own type of, of look, here they had more landscaped look, like in front of the carousel, if you can re- remember, they have, they have those hedges that kind of look like a maze. And he said that a lot of the fairy tales come from England, Germany, and France, and that's the type of gardens that they have over there. And so they wanted to bring the same thing to Fantasyland. But when you look at the attractions, the types of plants they have there match the type of attraction. So if you go over to um, Snow White Scary Adventures, you'll see again, you've got those dark plants, the dark leaves, any flowers are the dark red or purple to match that that attraction. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we went over to Dumbo and where we were introduced to Disneyland's own flower, which is the, who can tell me? Disney I've heard this. Yeah. Disney. Yep. Right. So where were you a few episodes back? <laughs> <laughs> That's where you heard it, Wayne. That's where I heard it. So um, I knew that they have the Disneyland Rose over by the Rivers of America, but I didn't know that they also had it by Dumbo. And being that it's spring, it was in bloom, and it smelled so good. And they were telling us that in 2001, they went to Jackson and Perkins, and they said, we're looking for um, a rose for the two, for the 50th anniversary in 2005. And so they settled on a Floribunda variety that changed colors, was was had different colors and was aromatic. And so they settled on this rose and they named it the Disneyland Rose. Mm-hmm. So, and the cool thing for us is that we can get it from Jackson and Perkins ourselves if we want to yep. have a Disney garden. Do any of you have that? Don't you, Nancy? I, I, think? Nancy? I do. I have it and it grows like a weed. I had to prune it down and filled almost an entire trash can full of prunings. <laughs> and it's, so, and yeah. It's so aromatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, from there, we then went to our next attraction that we actually went on, and it was the Storybook Land Canal Boats. And we were all happy that we were going to go on this because, you, as you know as well as we do, that there's so many neat plants in that right. attraction. Mm-hmm. And so um, we went there. They pointed out they named so many different plants. I I can't even retain the all the names that they gave us, but they, they did tell us how they um, – how they um, grow them to be that size. Tinkerbell pixie dust, of course. Yeah. Tinkerbell's pixie dust, and the gardeners have a little technique that Tinkerbell helps them with. Um, if you want to know what that technique is, take the Go tour. On the tour. <laughs> and you'll and nice. you'll know it. You'll see it. So um, that was that was really neat. And then you see how the different plants that they have there um, frame the different. Um, Parts of the little villages, you know, the the three pigs, and where the three pigs are, you have um, more open plants where the bad wolf lives across the river. It's uh, this very woody plant and kind of dark also. Mm-hmm. So the theming and the detail is just amazing that they have. 
And then we went on towards, um, and towards the end of Storybook Land Canal, there's this, this, uh, I'll call it a weeping willow just because I don't know the name of the tree, but it's got those hanging. It's a pepper, it's a pepper tree. Thank you, Kelly. And it's the same tree that, um, they serenade Ariel, um, kiss the girl. Mm-hmm. So just as you approach the part of the story, of the storybook land canal boats where Ariel and Eric's castle, um, you pass, you go past that tree that tells you that you're coming to that part of the ride. So I thought that was pretty neat too, that they explained it. Um, after storybook land canal boats, they took us over to, it's a small world and they told us about the topiaries there and the wet, how they um, grow them. Which, again, when you go on the tour, you'll find out yourselves. Hmm. Um, I will say that they constantly are growing tro- topiaries um, in their back lot to replace any of them that start to die out. So it's always looking fresh. Mm-hmm. So they always have two or three of the same type topiaries growing in the back. And then from there, we went over to the Matterhorn where they showed us the types of flowers that kind of show you. It's Go ahead, Kelly. Or they complement, like the the flowers by um oh what's it called Pixie Hollow mm-hmm. complements Pixie Hollows like the fairies and whatnot. Each, and then across, each fairy is represented in the colors of flowers that they have in that area. Mm-hmm. And then the Matterhorn, the flowers over there, blue and white, they complement the Matterhorn. And then from there, uh, we walked over to the entrance of Tomorrowland, and we were told, you know, we were all looking forward to Tomorrowland because everybody knows that there's edible plants there. We wanted to hear more about them. So they told us that there's edible plants in Tomorrowland, and then they thanked us for being on the tour. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we were like, what? <laughs> we, wow. Because Tomorrowland has one of the best stories about its plantings. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, and they but, did tell us more. You know, it wasn't that abrupt. But they didn't take us into Tomorrowland. They did tell us about some of the plants there. But rather than going on the Haunted Mansion, we would much have preferred going on uh, through Tomorrowland. Yeah. And have them point out those those plants. But that that took something I was looking forward to. Yeah. I think all of us were. And at the end of the tour, um, it stopped right there. And... We didn't even notice it, but there was a cast member there, and he had a little um, plant box. And they presented each of us with a, I'll call it a matchbook. When you open it up, it had uh, the paper filled with forget-me-not, so we won't forget the tour. Aww. So, so nice. So you plant those, and you and you uh, get your forget-me-not flowers. And we all got a pin um, that says Cultivating the Magic, and it has a little stem of a plant. And when you pull it up, it's the Disneyland rose um, three of them in the Mickey head. Mm-hmm. So nice. very, very nice pin. Um, the C packet and the pin were a really nice touch. We were surprised they had them on the inaugural tour. Yeah. We were surprised they had them. And I think that for a first time to do it, John did an excellent job. All of us agreed that he did a great job. There were some things that we would like to see that I'm going to put in the comments back to them. All of us agree that we would have liked to have had a paper that named the plants that we were going to see on the tour. Because he was pointing them out to us and we were, we weren't sure exactly what he was saying because we were trying to get everything in. So it would be nice to, even if they don't let us keep it, 
to to be able to reference what he's talking about would have been really nice for us. Mm-hmm. And then um, also they were telling us that backstage they have a lot of their flowers. We would have liked to have seen the flowers that were back or the plants the that are backstage, um, the nursery that they have there on on the site. Um, I think that I would say that this tour is worth going on. I thought it was. What's the price of it? The price is. Yeah, regular price is forty nine. With a twenty percent discount for if you have DVC annual pass, AAA, or the Disney Rewards Visa card, and you can book the tour by calling seven one four seven eight one eight six eight seven, which spells out tour. And a couple of things they told us also is that over at City Hall they have a big horticulture book that tells you all the plants at Disneyland. So if you go over there and you have a question, you can look it up. And after the tour, we went there to go look it up. But they had just changed the plants the night before in some of the areas, and they were updating it. So we couldn't see we couldn't see the book. Later on in the day, we saw a really neat plant, and we were asking a cast member about it. She called City Hall for us, and the book was already already up at the desk again. So that's how fast they they work. So that's why I think that... As far as the different departments at Disneyland, this has to be one of the best run ones is, is the landscaping department. Yeah. Also, um, if you ever want to know, have any questions about the plants, they have a, an email address, dlr.horticulture.questions at disney.com, and you can ask them anything about their plants at Disneyland or Walt Disney World, and they'll tell you about them. You could take a picture and send it, and then they can give you information. About it. Wow. So, so, I th- I think all my whole our whole group gave the tour a th- thumbs up. We would mm-hmm. recommend it. Um, however, we think that they could improve it a little bit and ch- with a few changes that um, it could even be better. And then another thing we were talking about too is at Halloween when they change um, all the decor and at Christmas time. That those are new tours because they have different. There's the Halloween tree in Frontierland that I'm sure they're going to talk about, mm-hmm. and um, other things that they're, that they'll be talking about there. So, they did not bring up the uh, oh shoot I forgot the name of it the Disney the Tarzan's Treehouse tree. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bring that one up, or the petrified tree. They didn't talk about that. But um, all in all, this was a very nice tour. You said it was a two-hour tour. Yeah. Two-hour. Two-hour tour. It's a two-hour tour um, held at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays and, and Sundays and at 10 o'clock on Mondays. Who do you, who do so, you think who do you think would enjoy this? Um, adults would enjoy this. Definitely people who want to do something different at Disneyland. I do not recommend taking young children on this. I think they mm-hmm. would probably um, be bored. Get bored. On this, so I, I wouldn't take young children, but I, w- I think any the people who are on the tour with us are people who go to Disneyland and want to do something different, and also anybody who's interested in horticulture would love this tour. Mm-hmm. Do you think they dumb it down so that someone who was into horticulture would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah? You um, know what I mean, I think I, if somebody who wants to learn something. I don't think, I think a person who, who was into horticulture 
would be interested in the reasons why they use certain plants at Disneyland. Gotcha. And in the unique plants that they had at Disneyland. And the stories behind them. And the stories behind them. I think they would appreciate that. Okay. Would. So other than the Haunted Mansion and Tomorrowland, what, what other improvements do you think they need to make on it? Um, give it giving what, us... What's going in your letter? Um, for the improvement? Yeah. Is give, giving us something in writing that we can refer to on right. the tour. And then also that... There were a couple of plants that we pointed to that he didn't know the name of. Mm-hmm. So that they, they need to educate themselves a little bit more on um, on the on the plants. Because when you get Disney enthusiasts like us who go a lot, mm-hmm. we ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And, yeah. and we notice a lot of things, especially uh, Mr. Toygo, you know. And so <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and so that you know, when we ask these questions we're gonna want answers. And so I think what I'm gonna recommend to them is Know your audience. Find out who ha- who are annual pass holders and who are first time, or you know, visitors who haven't gone to the park a lot, and tailor the tours to to the types of groups that that they're. Um, they need somebody who n- actually knows the stuff, not just reading a script. Yeah. Right. Right. So they they still have some tweaking to do, and maybe they and should he- maybe they should take somebody from the horticulture department along with the plaid on the tour. I think that would be a really good idea. Wait, let me write that down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> department. They've been practicing a lot. He he was really good. He was very smooth. He didn't have to, you know, like when you're trying to remember the names and, and stuff, there were only a couple that we asked about that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, for those of us who are really curious and, and have gone to the parks a lot, we're going to be asking questions about things that they may not um be prepared for. So they, being Disney, they need to prepare themselves for us. Uh-huh. But I like the I like the idea of having the horticulturist um, go with them on the on the tour. Yeah. So also what, 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 the go ahead. well, also um, the cast member who was monitoring the tour, um, he was very approachable. Dustin, he was very. We would ask him questions, and um, sometimes when the group. You know how, how groups will tend to, there'll be the people walking up with a guide and people kind of tag along and so you get this line rather than everybody clustered together. And sometimes we would ask Dustin questions and he was very knowledgeable and he, mm-hmm. he pretty much answered all of everything that we had to ask about that. So that was nice. Except he didn't tell us whether if the Disneyland electric parade was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of questions we asked that he's like, yeah, well, you know, we're talking about that. <laughs> like, darn we it. did ask about the food and wine festival, though. Yeah, and he said we're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, In other like, words, it's not my department, but uh-huh. yeah, he, he couldn't tell us. But, but all in all, it was a very pleasurable tour. Having it in the morning was wonderful. Um, being able to go on the attractions through the back door was great, um, and the. Things that we learned about the unique plants was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I, I would recommend it. Kelly, what about you? Yeah, I recommend it. Would I you, like do you it. Think your, do you think your friends would like it? Yeah, I think some of them would. Not all of them, but some of them would. Would a normal Disneyland fan who isn't a flan, fan of plants enjoy it? Just for the, the trivia. Yeah, I, I think, think so. 
I think anybody who who would like like the Walk and Waltz footsteps tour mm-hmm. because of the trivia about Disneyland would like this tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're continuing to offer new stuff like this. I hope this is a trend that comes back. We haven't had these kinds of tours in quite a while now. This is encouraging that they're starting to open up some newer things. I, I think this is great. There's been a lot of interest. Um, our friend um, Jill, she's the one. She's the first person who I saw because she's a cast member also. And when she said this tour was coming up, there was a lot of buzz and people uh, making plans to go on the tour. So I agree with you, Wayne. It's I'm I'm glad they're doing something different for us. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you, Mary Jo and Kelly. Wayne, Nancy. Our guest, Matt, thank you all so much for joining us. That is going to do it for this edition of the Diz Unplugged podcast. See you in Cars Land. Woo! Woo. <laughs>